welcome to the Kona Edge, where you'll discover what the best triathletes in the world do to give them the edge. Welcome on to this edition of the Kona Edge. I'm Brad Brown, and it is fantastic uh, to be with you once again. And uh, it's awesome to be able to share another wonderful story uh, around triathlon and Ironman with you on this edition. We head to California to catch up with Kelly O'Mara uh, to find out how she got into the sports and uh, sort of her journey from uh, racing as an age grouper to turning pro. Uh, and it's a pretty cool journey in itself as well. So that's all coming up on today's episode. Before we get into that, a huge thank you to our sponsor of this edition of the Cone Edge. And uh, it is Jack Rabbit giving you a chance to win a pair of Hoka One One running shoes. All you need to do is head over to jackrabbit.com forward slash Kona Edge or simply text the word Jack Rabbit to 44222 and I'll send you all those details. That's Jack Rabbit, one word, J A C K R A B B I T to 44222 and we'll get you in the draw to win those running shoes uh, before we head over to catch up with uh, Kelly let's uh, find out who's in our coach's corner today today's coach's corner brought to you by Superfly Coaching they've helped dozens of athletes reach Ironman Kona the 70.3 world championships and even the Olympic Games their coaches, along with Joe Friel, have written several books on training methodologies. Their experienced coaches are uniquely qualified to recognize your skills while addressing your weaknesses. Their coaches have already helped athletes just like you reach their goals, so let them help you. Whether you're attempting to release pounds or shave off a few seconds, they're with you every step of the way. Are you interested in upping your game from acceptable to exceptional? By partnering with your passion and their experienced coaches, you can reach your full potential. Their coaching plans are like their clients, no two are alike. Once you've chosen your service level that works best for you, your coach will begin to develop your customized plan. Don't let stomach issues ruin your race. From coaching to nutritional advice, they cover it all. To discover more about Superfly Coaching, head over to thekonaedge.com forward slash coaching. And don't forget, if you're a coach or have a coaching business and would like to get a plug on the podcast, head over to thekonaedge.com forward slash coaching. We head to California now here on uh, the Cone Edge, and it's a great pleasure to welcome Kelly O'Mara onto the podcast. Kelly, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Kelly, it's brilliant to, to have you on. California, great place to, to live and train. Oh, yeah. No, there's a, I think I'm, it's not Boulder, but there's a lot of very good professionals that live right around here. So, Are you, are you born in Breads, Californian? Or? No, no. I'm from Chicago. Well, I was born in Kentucky, grew up in Chicago. So, and and Chicago's particularly winter's not not ideal for for triathlon, is it? No, I uh, I mean they have one. They have the biggest Olympic distance triathlon in the world. It's like eight thousand people. Um, it's really cool. But yeah, I think everybody gets a little burned out during the winter. <laughs> and it's also known as the windy city too, if I if I'm correct. Yes, yes. Um, it's it's not that windy, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's cold. It's cold winds. So. Absolutely. All right, Kelly, as far as your triathlon, sort of your interest in the sport, uh, it goes back uh, to, to your early days. I mean, uh, I think you were introduced in college, first time around, where you got involved in the sport and uh, took, it, took it pretty seriously. 
Yeah, uh, collegiate. I don't know how collegiate triathlon works in South Africa, but collegiate triathlon here was kind of more of a club thing. Um, you know, the party was as big as the race, <laughs> at least when I was doing it. And in recent years, it's actually gotten very serious. They're trying to make it an NCAA sport. Um, you know, there's actually getting scholarships. Like it's it's gotten very competitive. Um, but when I was doing it, it was more like everybody's welcome, which was great for me because I didn't know how to ride a bike. So it was very like, come, we'll teach you. Uh, and so I did it in college for a couple of years at that club level, which was, I think actually has been a really big benefit for triathlon, like introducing people to sport, teaching them everything, like kind of getting them into it. Um, and it's very fun and like low key. And then I actually kind of took a break for a little while and, um, and then kind of came back a few mm. years ago. So. I, I tend to agree with you with regards to sort of easing into the sport because it can be quite overwhelming for, for a newbie coming into the sport where everything's, it's just gear, gadgets, lycra, and, and triathletes are generally full on. I mean, they're A-type personalities. Someone coming into the sport, I mean, you look like a deer in the headlights at the best of times. And <laughs> uh, sometimes getting involved in a sport, as you say, low-key, almost a, a, a drinking club with a triathlon problem. Right. I mean, they're very, they're very fast. Um, everybody went all out all the time, but it definitely not as much worried about the gear, not as much obsessed about Kona points and qualifying, like all that kind of thing was not on their minds at all. So it was interesting. As far as sporting backgrounds, I know you were a swimmer as well, played quite a bit of, of soccer growing up. Uh, the transition into triathlon, how, how did that come about? Um, I mean, when I got to college, uh, I kind of thought about running, you know, cause that was what I ran and I swam in high school. Um, kind of considered going out for the team it's a different it's like another level though you know ncaa sports are all consuming like your whole life uh so then i kind of played some different club sports and and triathlon just sounded like fun it's kind of like oh you don't have to do one thing you can do lots of different things um which was very appealing to me but, you also- but I, I seriously i didn't know how to ride a bike so <laughs> you, you, you mentioned you took a bit of a break and I was, I was reading somewhere that you, you I mean were you was it burnout was it you just had enough of the sport and wanted to take a bit of a break T- tell me a little bit about that yeah um I again like I'm not sure how it is in South Africa but in the US you kind of like can qualify for your elite license and stuff and I did after college so I raced elite for a couple of years and it just I mean I was also you know you're fresh out of college you're trying to start you're like working full-time and you're trying to race a lot and it was just too much uh and so I kind of got a little burned out I think I was also burned out of all the the like you're saying the triathlete type a gear um and so I just I didn't I just kind of stepped back I just did some other stuff was like I don't really want to do this anymore and then a couple years ago I decided to come back and it's been a lot more fun this time around a lot less like obsessing about you know the stuff I don't care about so <laughs> what's been what's been different this time around um i would say like at my attitude um it's kind of just i'm gonna you know have fun and that's great but also uh this time around the other half of the attitude is i got like a coach and i kind of she tells me what to do and i do it and you know and put training first like once you're like i'm going to do whatever is on my training plan you kind of just do it and then you get faster because <laughs> that's how it works as opposed to, you know, second guessing yourself all the time and being like, should I do this workout? Should I not do this workout? I don't know. And then you, you know, you skip things and then you're like, why aren't I getting faster? And it's a whole cycle of self-defeat, right? Have you, have you always been in the, into the longest sort of endurance stuff or has it been a progression? No, no. I uh, used to be an 800 meter runner. That was what I was going to do in college too. Um, so sprint triathlons, which is what we raced in college, seemed, that's an hour. An hour is actually like a pretty long time to race, right? 
if you're used to like two minutes. So it's been, it actually took me a long time to kind of have the endurance, the base. Uh, when I first tried to do halves, they seemed so long. Like, on, oh my God. <laughs> what, what do you prefer now? Do you prefer the longer stuff or do you prefer the shorter stuff? Um, that's an interesting question. I've been like joking that I really wish I fulls were not my thing because they're so unpleasant and it's so terrible. But I like, I think they might be my thing. I think I actually am better <laughs> at them. Um, I've been doing a bunch of halves this year and I like those. I really, that would be great. That would like, if I could just get a little bit faster, that would be awesome. So that would be great. Do you, do you think the full gives you a bit of a, a bigger margin of error? Uh, I mean, you talk about if you can yeah. get faster, but but the full, it does allow you to to sort of have, have one or two I say weaknesses, but you 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 can get away a bit more if you do have something where you're a bit weaker at. I think the other thing is that it there's room for mistakes. Um, like somebody told me a story about a guy who got to his bike, realized he didn't have his DI two charger, went back to his hotel, got <laughs> it, came back, and still got fourth on the day. So like, there's room for so whenever something's going wrong, you can always just be like, that's fine. It's a long day. Two minutes doesn't matter. Which I think is like a really big psychological weight that like it's lift off your shoulders. So, talk, talk to me about the psychological sort of the, the decision making process of of when you decided through your first full Ironman. Because I mean, running a marathon for most people is is crazy, but try and do that at the back of a, a long swim and a long bike, it's it's just psychotic. Tell tell me your thought and and your thinking process before your first full. Uh, so I uh, was going to do this grad school fellowship. Um, in 2014 and I had this like idea I was like I'm gonna do an Ironman before I start this grad school fellowship and I was also like 28 or 29 so I was like it's gonna be before I turn 30 and maybe I'm gonna turn out to be really it was anyway it was a terrible idea because I literally flew from the Ironman to grad school (laughs) and like moved to a new city and it was awful um so that was kind of my I was like I'm gonna do this before before um and I thought I was gonna do just one be done check that box um but then after I finished the grad school fellowship, I had all, I didn't have a job lined up and I was like, oh, I have three months to train. I'm going to see how, so that was when I actually got really serious about it. So I was like, I'm going to do whatever I'm told by my coach for these three months, see how it goes. And, uh, and I did Ironman Wisconsin that fall. And that was actually kind of when I got like serious, so to speak. So. And, and, and results wise, I mean, have you, have you always been pretty good at this? Uh... I think, I mean, I've been like, okay. I've been like, you know, uh, decent at running and swimming and biking took a little while. Um, whoa, shit. My cat just jumped up on the balcony and is about to fall off our porch. <laughs> uh, but it's only really been in the last couple, like two and a half years that I really kind of upped my training game. And that's really made a big difference for me. That was like a huge jump in terms of results and performance and all that. So. Was it just a case of selling out? Uh, is I mean, is it as simple as that or is there a lot more to it? Well, for me, I like, I joke that it's like, oh, it actually turns out training works. Like I just, I mean, I literally started training a lot more. Um, basically that summer that I had no job lined up after grad school. And I, I mean, I spent three months and I just... And I kept calling it like my pilot project. Like, we're going to see if this works. Like, what if you actually train really, really hard for three months? And I literally dropped an hour off my Ironman time. So I was like, well, turns out it works. And so then from there, I kind of, you know, like, okay, now let's do it for a whole year and see if I can sustain this and kind of go from there. Because you, you've raced as, as both. You've raced age grouper and and in the sort of pro ranks. The, the decision yeah, to, so to, to make that switch? Right. So I'm racing pro this year. Uh, it's kind of like my first year because I did Kona. I qualified um, at that Ironman 
in 2015 and then I raced Kona a year later this past year and so this year 2017 was kind of my pro year um for me I knew it was coming like after I had that like pilot project let's see if I can train hard for three months then it was like okay let's see if I can do this for a whole season a whole year 2016 and if I can and if I continue to improve then at the end of the year after Kona I'm gonna upgrade like I knew that that was what, like the plan um you know assuming everything continued to go well partially because I just I just think that like if you keep winning the overall amateur and you got to move up like you can't keep sandbagging I just I believe that fundamentally I think it's like kind of you gotta you gotta move up um it would have been nice to like get a bowl at Kona before I did that but I, I did it I was like 10th instead and that's fine um so maybe that'll be a goal to go back when I'm like 60 and get a bowl. So that, that's my strategy to get there is to outlive yes. to outlive everyone in my age group. Yes. Kelly, as, as far as the, the sort of difference between racing as an age group and racing as a pro, what's been the the biggest change for you? Uh, strategy. It's it's opposed to being or kind of a static race. I mean, it's still a static race. My husband makes fun because he used to race cycling, and that's very very not a static race. But as opposed to age group, where you're like, I'm just going to do my these are my watts. This is my pace. I'm going to do it. Um, there's a lot more responding to people and trying to go with people, um, partially because it is a smaller field. It's like 15 people and you know all of them and you know which ones you probably can beat and which ones you probably can't and you can, you know, react. Um, that also has negative consequences. <laughs> like I've taught you, you, sometimes you go with somebody that you're like, oh, that was a bad idea and you blow up and it's a disaster. Um, so that's been like a really big difference. Uh, that and the, um, there's just not as many people out. A lot of times you're by yourself. You're by yourself like the whole day or you're by yourself with, you see two other girls the, like the whole day. And that's kind of it. As far as Kona uh, as an age group, I mean, when did, when did Kona first come onto the radar for you? Was it was it always in the back of your mind that that was something you wanted to do? Uh, sure. I mean, like obviously everybody wants to do it. But um, when I did Ironman Wisconsin 2015, which was what I, where I qualified, my actual goal was just, I wanted to have a kick-ass race. As like I said, like that was my goal. And so I had like general time goals and I, but I mostly just knew I wanted to just like, I hadn't been happy with my one the year before, which was my first and only. And, uh, and so I just wanted to be like, I know I can do better. Um, turns out like when you focus on that and the process and like that, like then Kona came, and I qualified, uh, but I don't know that it was like, I, I don't I don't know, for me at least, obsessing about qualifying and going out and trying to like, I don't know that that would have worked for me because I just would have become too much in my head, if that makes sense. It does. Do you think that's an individual thing or do you think that's probably the better way to do it, to, to, to plan the race and race it the way you want to race it and if that's good enough on the day to get your slot, then, then cool, and if it's not good enough on the day, then so be it, you come back and fight another day. Or do you think you need to go out, and, and, and I think that's probably one of the big differences between racing pro and, and racing as an age group, whereas racing as a pro, you've just got to go, and, 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 and it's, it's about winning on the day. It's not necessarily about chasing a time, in my mind. Do you think it's better yeah. to, to chase the, what you've worked for as opposed to, to going out and chasing a slot and risking blowing up? I, I'm, it's hard to say what's better, right? Because everybody has their own uh, way they race. I think... I think it's harder when you have goals that are like, I want to be I like second. 
And maybe, you know, a slot will roll down if I'm third because you have no control over that. And so that's one of the things that they always tell you when you set goals, right? Like that's one of the principles of, there's like four principles of goal setting. And one of them is the goals you can control and you have no control over who else shows up, whether they take the slot, whether they already have a slot, like what they do, the only thing you can control is what you do, right? Um, and so that's why, that's why you're supposed to have like flexible goals, like ranges, you know, like if everything goes right, this is what like, so yes, you definitely, I think, so I think that that's how you have to go into something is like best case scenario, I win this, whatever, worst case scenario, you know, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to respond on the day and I'm not going to be like super, because I think a lot of people when they're like, oh, I have to get a Kona slot when they get passed for third or whatever on the run. They're like, well, that's, that's it. Like, that was my goal. I'm like, this is terrible. And it falls apart. Um, and then they start thinking, they're already in their head on the marathon, start planning like their next, like, well, I can go to this other one. Well, I'm going to chase this other, which works out sometimes. But I think a lot of times you have to just stay focused on you, what you can control and your goal on the day. Did, did, did you know, did you know that, that one that you qualified at, that if you qualified, you were going, was, was that like, you, you're going to hit the time if it's good enough to qualify, you, you were going to book your slot or was it a case of get to, get to sort of the awards and it's like, Hey, I've, I've managed to grab myself a slot. <laughs> so um, it was one of the races. They didn't have a pro field back then. Like they do now, whatever. And so I, I mean, I was in second woman overall. So I like, I knew, you know what I mean? Like I knew mm. I was in, because I had like a lead bike and like people were screaming <laughs> for me. And, like, you know, then that you're like, you're like, yeah, no, I'm doing pretty good. Like I got this. So that was actually, it was more fun. Like if, if I hadn't gotten it, like it was more fun to be second overall and have a lead bike and have like, I don't know if you've ever done Ironman Wisconsin. It like runs through campus. So there's like drunk college kids like screaming for you. So it's the most fun ever. Um, so people are just screaming for you. So that was, if it turned out, I didn't get a Kona spot, but I mean, I knew, I yep. knew because I knew. So, T tell me about racing on the Big Island. Uh, I mean, it's it's very different to to any or to, to most other Ironmans. Uh, your your experience of racing there? So I only did. I've only done it once, and actually, that was the only time I've ever been. I haven't like been other times to hang out. Um, kind of wish I was going to hang out this year, but that's fine. Uh, it's it's rough. I like the like, the very first time. I, cause I was actually there a couple weeks before cause I was, um, house sitting for a family friend. And so I was just like hanging out, house sitting, working from home and training. So the very first time I did the ride from Kona out to Javi and back, I literally got to Javi and texted my husband like, Oh shit, like this is going to be really hard. <laughs> um, so I was good to have seen that before the day because everyone tells you it's going to be really hard and it's really bad and it's hot and it's windy. But when you're actually out, you're like, Oh um so yeah it's it it was definitely rough uh it's you know but after a couple weeks you kind of like are like oh the heat like you get used to the heat a little bit not like not really and and the humidity the thing that um that blew my mind that i'm starting to like pay more attention to now uv index have you ever paid attention mm -hmm. to the uv index yeah so i'm kind of very pale as you've noticed and i got fried i got like heat stroke fried like scarred from sunburn um and that's pretty terrible so that's i would say the thing that i found really rough yeah li li living in, living in south africa and uh, and i know a lot of our australian listeners uh, it's something that they have to to bear <laughs> in mind and and that's I, I mean it's interesting you say that because i think a lot of people don't realize stuff like that i mean it's it's things that you uh, i mean you you have to 
I mean, it's important. You, you can't go to one of these things and, and, and realize it on the day. I mean, it, 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 can, it can ruin your race. Oh, yeah. No, it was, uh, and people are like, oh, did you wear sunscreen? Yeah, I wore sunscreen. Like, it was still <laughs> really bad. So. Yeah, I've got, a tri- I've got a tri-suit tattooed on my back because of, of it. So it is, uh, it is definitely something that, uh, that you, you need to be cognizant of. And, and performance-wise, do you feel, uh, and I know you, you would like, love to go back, but do you feel that you've got un- unfinished business on, on the island? Or if you never go back, you, you're satisfied with, with what you've done there? Um, for me personally, uh, I mean, I got heat stroke and I started like <laughs> projectile vomiting. So, I mean, it was fine. Like I had a day that happens to everyone. You feel like, all right, I did this. Um, I definitely would let, obviously like to have a better race, but that's not Kona. The conditions are not me. They're not my thing. Mm-hmm. If like, if you were going to create a race that was like, not the opposite of what I'd be good at, it'd be Kona. So it's not, it's not like high on my list. Um, it would be nice. Like I told my coach, I was like, before I go back, I want to get like 30 or 40 minutes faster. I want to be like a sub 10 person solidly at the island before I go back. Cause you want to actually like be in the mix. I don't want to just like go out there. And I mean, for me, that would be like the next step. Um, yeah, partic- I wanted particularly second time around. I mean, first time around, a lot, a lot of people say it's, you know, we're going to go and experience it. It's the world champs. Right. We're going to soak it all yeah. in. But, but to go back, it's not a it's not a cheap trip. It doesn't matter where you come from. Uh, it's expensive <laughs> to get there, and it's expensive to be there. And and second time round, you don't want to make up the numbers again. You want to go out there and be competitive. Right. Exactly. Um, and racing pro now, obviously, like the odds, it's a lot harder to qualify, yeah. particularly for the women. Um, so it's just you know it's a different ball game. So if I was gonna if I managed to qualify and go back, like I need to be in it. So <laughs> got got to make it count. Gilly, tell me right. about. As an athlete right now, what are you what are you working on? What are you what are you struggling with right now? Like emotionally, personally, at the end of the season. Everything. I'm so done. I'm so done with the season. Um I'm doing Ironman Louisville in two weeks and uh it's been a long year, you know. It's been uh, again partially that's like being your first pro year, like doing a lot of races. Um and I'm just I'm ready to be done. You know, you hit that point where you're like ready for the off season ready to drink all the beer and be done so <laughs> T- tell me i mean you you, you took that break uh, and a, a bit of it was was burnout and, and feeling like you're feeling now how do you keep yourself fresh in the sport how, and how important is it to keep yourself fresh in the sport yes i definitely take a pretty hard like at least three weeks probably around three weeks um we're like a week of like kind of nothing and then like a couple weeks of just whatever you know whatever pops into your head like if you want to go commute biking if you want to try yoga whatever um because i think that's kind of important it's definitely something that i kind of struggle with i think a lot of the pros like it's not generally like you know the whole there's a whole like joke right like you have to hold them back not push them forward um they don't generally struggle with that as much it's just like a personality mental thing um for me it's definitely a challenge just because i do find it hard to like stay that focused for that long uh I do, like I do. I just like find it hard. So, so I think um, it is important to kind of take some off time and, and hang, and hang out on the dark side of it. Is it? Uh, do yes. you need to hang out on the dark side? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm built for for hanging out on the dark side. I, that, that's why I do triathlon. I love that. As as far as what you still want to achieve in the sport, what are you what are you chasing? What what are some of the goals? <laughs> I feel like I want to win an Ironman. Um, 
that would be quite that'd be hard there's some more stats uh this year has kind of been about like just kind of you know incremental improvement and all that um which is totally fine totally good obviously that gets a little hard to like keep thinking about long-term goals um i mean i would like to be on like iron man like podium that would be that would be great and like re-qualifying for kona as a pro would be awesome i think i'm pretty far from that right this second so those are kind of the the long goals um yeah then on a bit by bit level you kind of have to pick and choose each, yeah. you know what races what do you what do you expect what do you think you can do that kind of thing we've got quite a few sort of really good age groupers that listen to this podcast yeah. and and i think when you get to that point as an age grouper the thought crosses everyone's mind i wonder if i could do this for a living if i could if i could turn yeah. pro what, what's been the biggest sort of surprises for you this year now that your first pro season's done what, what's been the the toughest what's been the coolest what, what what's been some of the lessons you've learned I mean, the hardest part is the uh, the strategy and how it changes. It just changes the race. I mean, because you'll hear a lot of times, you know, the top, like, because obviously I was a top age grouper and a lot of my friends still are. And and you hear a lot of them be like, oh, well, I would have beat like three of the pros. And you're like, man, it was a totally different race. Like, that might be true, but you have no idea, honestly, until you're like doing it. Did, did you know? Just, did, I, I mean, was that a surprise for you? Uh, and you're not the first person I've heard say that. Was that was that really a surprise? I mean, because you're right. Age groupers say, oh, it can't be that bad. But once you're in it, it's it's very different. Um, on a like rational level, it wasn't a surprise. I 100% knew that. Everybody told me that. Actually being out there, like my first race this year was Oceanside. It was still <laughs> just like, oh man, it was a mess. Like, you don't really, you know, it's one of those things where you don't know it until you know it. Um, and that's true. I mean, that's what everybody says is you don't know it until you know it. And it's kind of, it's kind of true. Um, the other thing that's been interesting, I mean, it's been also on the other end, like everybody is really friendly. Everybody knows each other. You do kind of get to know everybody. You see everybody at the same races. It's not like that big a community, right? There's only like a couple hundred. So, I mean, and then within like North America, there's really only like a couple dozen. So, you know, everyone, um, which has been really nice and cool. So as as far as biggest lessons learned this year, what what would you say is your your biggest lesson that you've learned? Um, the balance between like the strategy and responding to people, and also still racing my own race, has been uh, definitely what I've been working on. Because there is, you know, you do have to respond to things, but there is also, you know, if I responded to like, like I made the mistake of I was on like Lauren Brandon's feet at the swim at one point, I was like, that's a bad idea. <laughs> like, that's what am I doing? Um, so there is kind of that balance that's been the biggest lesson. And as far as life and training balance from an age group to pro, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, I don't know how much more you're training as a pro than you were as, as an age group. And, and have you, how, how difficult has it been to make that transition in training? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of the top age groupers are already training like pro levels. Um, let's be real. Like a lot of the top age groupers at Kona, like are basically semi-pros, right? Like they, they have flexible jobs. They would train like 30 hours a week. Uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't like a big, big shift really. Um, Cause I also have like a flex, I work freelance contract. So, you know, it is already flexible. Um, sometimes they're really busy and sometimes aren't. And I think that's pretty normal. Obviously then there's like another jump that may happen in the next like year or two, but you couldn't just go from, you couldn't just go from nothing to, you know what I mean? Like you can't just jump. You have to like progress slowly. Otherwise you end up, hurt or injured i think a lot of people do do that though their first year pro they're like i need to train more and then they end up injured how, how easy is it where you are now to overthink things that it's because you you don't have a a full-time job that you're going to monday through friday you, you almost this is all you're doing so you almost get 
deep inside your own head and, and almost get analysis or paralysis by analysis? Is that something you struggled with, sort of just really uh, getting in your own head? So I actually, I mean, <laughs> so I work full time, but I've been freelance for like six years. Like I, I've, that's always been my job. No, like not even mm-hmm. like way before all that. Like even when I was on like my triathlon break, I was a freelancer. Um, which is a whole different lifestyle and none of them do any sports because it's actually a very unhealthy lifestyle because they all like work crazy hours. So anyway, so it's like a completely different thing, but that's what I've always done. So it actually isn't really a big change for me. Um, but it is a hard balance because, because like it is crazy. Like I work in newsrooms sometimes. And so it is like a crazy, you know, like around the election, we were working just like crazy hours or whatever. And, but then you're like, but I want to, so you have to kind of plan ahead. Like I know the four weeks before an Ironman, I shouldn't take on a bunch of assignments, right? Like I know that now. And so you have to kind of, it's a lot of planning for me. It's mm. a lot of planning and plotting out um, what makes sense. And, and that's not just for you. I think, I think that's something that most age, age groups particularly struggle with is, is that yeah. balance of, of planning and getting everything in place, work, life, uh, family, uh, training and, and, and racing. It's, it's, that's the struggle, I think. And uh, it's the guys and girls who, who can handle that and, and do that well tend to, to be the successful ones. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> one of my friends is doing her first triathlon and she was telling me, she's a colleague at work the other day, she was like, it's so much planning, like it's I because she did marathon. She's like, but you have to like plan when you're going to go to the pool and then have your bike ready and then have, bring your running gear with you. And I was like, I know, like that's <laughs> that's how it goes. So. That's the work. Let's talk about first timers. We've got a lot of first timers that listen mm-hmm. to this podcast as well. What advice would you give to someone who's who's planning their first Ironman or just getting into the sport and and and, and trying to find their their way in the sport? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, so I talk to a lot of people just getting into it, but a lot of people I talk to already you know, they already run a lot of times they already do half marathons and stuff. Cause that seems to be the common path. So if I like to, I tell a lot of them, like, you know, don't overthink this. Like you already know how to train. You already know, the, especially if they already know how to, like they already have a bike, they already know how to swim. Um, then it's like, just do it. Like, especially with women, I hear a lot of my friends who are new, like, I'm going to be last. I'm going to suck. I'm not going to be good. And I'm like, you are like, I have lifeguarded these things. You are not going to be last. Um, <laughs> just do it like just just do it and you'll learn as you go and i think that's the biggest you will learn as you go it will be a mess the first but then like you also have no expectations so you will exceed expectations and then you kind of go from there and 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 the the community i mean you talk about it being a small community it's pretty tight-knit and and it it might be difficult to get into but all you need to do is ask. I mean, in my experience, mm-hmm. every triathlete that I've met is more than willing to to help someone out if they're not quite sure, particularly at races, transition, where do you come in, where's bike out, whatever. I mean, people are, are really friendly. It's a case of just opening your mouth and, and asking for help. Oh, yeah. No, especially, um, I mean, I don't know how, but we, like, there are a lot of groups and mm. a lot of clubs. So if you were really, really like, I don't know what to do, you just join the Golden Gate Triathlon Club or whatever, and, and there's a lot of people. So Yeah, amazing, amazing bunch. Uh, as far as sort of your proudest achievement in, in the sport so far, what are you, what are you most proud of? Um, well, that first Ironman I did when I kind of like re-got serious uh, was very cool. Like it was very, I was very happy with that. Um, second at Ironman Wisconsin because because I had told myself I'm giving myself three months we'll see how this goes I'm going to do like everything I can to make this a success and we'll see how it goes and so that really is proof of concept you know what I'm saying so it felt like oh I worked really hard and this is what happened Um, 
The other one for me was I did wildflower. You know wildflower, it's famous, yep. the triathlon. Okay. So when it was still around last year, I won the amateur race, which was very, very cool. But it was also, it was like two weeks after probably like one of the worst races I've ever had. So I was pretty happy about like, I mean, I was a mess after like terrible race. I was like, oh my God, you suck. You're awful. I mean, Wisconsin was a fluke. You're not very good. You might as well quit, right? Like it was bad and I rebounded and I came back. And so I was pretty happy about that too. So I would say those two things, like, you know, it's, it's the, it's the proof of concept and the like that you, you can do this. It's the, nice. the, the sport's a great leveler, isn't it? Just when you think you're Correct. good, it throws you one that goes, you know what? You're not as good as you think you are. Sit down. As far as, as the mental side of it and the self-talk, how big a role is that in, in what you do and, and managing that and sort of managing your own expectations and, and building yourself up with those expectations? How is that something you battle with? Is it something you work hard on? Yeah. Um, I think like the mental talk of what you are thinking during a race, especially during Ironman, because it's so long, it's so much time with just you and yourself is really, really important. I think a lot of people kind of downplay that or they don't practice it. They think like, oh, I'll just be tough when it happens. Like when it happens, I'll just do it. Uh, and I have found the only way to be good at it on the day is to practice it, right? To have a lot of really hard workouts where you figure out how to get through them. And when you figure out how to get through them, you develop tricks, you develop mind games, you like, whatever, you play games. You're like, oh, I just need to get through this minute. Then I just need to get through this next minute. And that's, I mean, that's what everyone does. And you talk to them, even the best people, they're like, I just thought aid station to aid station. I just thought about what I was going to drink at the next aid station for the whole time between aid stations. Like that's <laughs> literally what everyone does, but you have to learn it. You have to practice it and practice it and practice it. Um, so that's been like, a, it's been a lot of practice, but you kind of just, you just go with it. Uh, and sometimes it, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes, you know, you, you start thinking, this is terrible. Why am I doing this? I'm a smart person. I could get a real job. I could do something else. Right. Like you start thinking all that stuff. Um, and as you said, your first one is a one and done, and you've done how many now since then? <laughs> uh, this is going to be my fifth like, next go. week. So. And, and, and how many more do you think you've still got in you? I mean, uh, what, what's the plan? I mean, are you going to be racing these things till you're 80? Maybe. Um, there's definitely, you know, a few more, definitely like however many more years of pro, like five, seven, ten, something like that. Um, probably a couple a year, you know, a few a year. I have a friend who did six this year, and that seems like a lot. So I may not do six in one year, uh, but a couple – and then I, I, I do see myself probably taking a break and then coming back when I'm like 50 or 60. Because uh, those people seem like, man, have you ever been, you've been to Kona, right? The 80-year-old who finished at like right at midnight yeah. last year. Man, he's a superstar. You're like, I want to be that guy. That sounds well, awesome. Well, <laughs> so. well Kelly, my, my dad did his first Ironman at 67. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just, in, it's incredible. It's inspiring to yeah. see to see that. And, and I mean, I always used to joke to you, I hope I'm alive at 67. But, uh, I mean, an 80 and, and, and doing Ironmans is just phenomenal. I think it's, uh, it's incredible. Oh, yeah, it's insane. It's crazy. So, that would be fun. That would be really fun. Super, super inspiring. Well, Kelly, I look forward to chatting about your swim, bike, uh, and run the individual disciplines and a bit about your nutrition. But we'll save that for another time. Thanks for your time today on the Cone Edge. And that's it for this edition of the Kona Edge. Uh, awesome to have you along. Uh, and thank you so much for listening and downloading to this podcast. Uh, I absolutely love putting these things together. 
and uh, I've been getting some incredible tweets uh, and Facebook messages. If you if you haven't uh, touched base with us on social media, you can either just search for the Kona Edge, or you can look out for me personally. I'm pretty much uh, across all the social media platforms: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Big Brad Brown, though uh, that's my my handle across all of them. So uh, yeah, come and say hi and uh, let me know what you're up to. Don't forget to to tweet us or Instagram us as well if you you're training and listening to the podcast. I love seeing where where everybody listens to the podcast from so uh, don't forget to tag us uh, in those pictures as well a huge thank you once again to our sponsor of this edition brought to you by jackrabbit.com if you'd like to win yourself a pair of hoka one one running shoes all you need to do is head over to this url it is jackrabbit.com forward slash cone edge you can get in the draw there or simply text the word jackrabbit to 44222 and I will get you in the draw. Until tomorrow, from myself, Brad Brown, it's cheers. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for the Kona Edge. Don't forget, if you'd like to access the commercial free feed of the Kona Edge, all you need to do is head over to thekonaedge.com forward slash support, become a patron, and you'll get access to that feed right away.